Hi, and you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenilee Samuel. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. I'm excited for this guest that I have on the show today. She is such a sweetheart and just so full of wisdom. She's a very accomplished woman and um, was so kind and had me on her podcast a couple of weeks back, which just launched last week. Um, but her name is Miss Michelle Saunders Gotch. I don't know if I'm saying your last name correctly. <laughs> uh, it's Gotch, but you're close. So you're good. <laughs> um. And so Miss Michelle is the CEO and founder of Altered Stories Ministries, and she's the podcast podcast host of Altered Stories Show. She lives in Leewood, Kansas, and is a wife to Mark, mother to her daughter, Tawny, Gigi, and to Bentley Rose. She's also a writer, speaker, mentor, and consultant. She's passionate about helping women share their God stories to help other women overcome their struggles and to heal from brokenness through the healing power of Jesus. She is very accomplished professionally and has worked for some super impressive companies um, like uh, Compassion International and a few others as well. She can get into that a little bit. Um, and she's she just has such a wealth of knowledge, but she has a very unique, specific story from her childhood that we're going to get into today that I think will have so much wisdom for all of you. So Michelle, thank you for joining me. Well, Jenilee, thank you. I appreciate the nice intro. <laughs> Absolutely. So Michelle, you are obviously very well accomplished. And you know, um, I know that underneath all of that, really, it's driven by your heart to serve and to um, glorify the Lord and to help women. And so share a little bit of your vision behind your podcast and ministry. Uh, my I guess the vision around the podcast is actually to reach out to women all over the world to transform them through the stories that are shared on the podcast. These are faith-based stories of redemption, overcoming great adversity, um, and through the stories transform lives um, through the healing power of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, the more women's lives that can be transformed, the better when they are healed through Jesus Christ, um, they are able to move forward in the calling that he has for them in their lives. And Altered Stories Ministry, we're uh, two years young, um, and we are just continuing to grow as we can. Um, in the evangelistic storytelling space. In addition to the brand with the podcast, we also have a blog that we feature, and it's our hope to be able to offer storytelling services to women who want to learn how to tell their stories so they can continue um, to, you know, make a difference and have a voice whether they're, you know, telling it in groups or they're telling it, you know, to uh, other podcasters or on radio TV, um, however the Lord would have them to share. But we do primarily serve Christian women, but we are evangelistic. So awesome. And now Michelle, she's, she's um, modest for what she's describing, but I mean, she has worked for 
some large Fortune 500 companies, and she has worked in the staffing for Compassion International, which was a common denominator for us because I'm on the speaker circuit for Compassion. And so that was just kind of fun when we learned that about mm-hmm. each other. So, Michelle, tell us a little bit about this childhood experience that you had. I want to dive right into this because I really want to extract the wisdom from it that our, my listeners can benefit from. And so share really what what was this experience you had as a child and how did it um, take you on this journey of healing? Yeah, well, um, I am a childhood cult survivor and um, my mother was a born again Christian who was looking for a way to uh, get involved with a body of Christ, a group of other Christians, and naively got herself into a situation with some other friends of being involved in a, a home church that the founder of the, um, the church um, had some very unhealthy, um, I guess, tendencies and actually was uh, a graduate of Oral Roberts University and went into ministry, but was thrown out of ministry because of his radical beliefs. But my mom being a young baby Christian uh, was very naive and I don't think she really had much discipleship. My dad had at that time was not a born again Christian. And so she had really no leadership in the home, spiritual leadership um, outside of what she was able to glean through, you know, this um, group that she was involved with that appeared to be very family oriented and welcoming. And unfortunately um, at that time, it looked all innocent um, and it, just just I grew into um, more controls, more oppression, um, more legalism. Uh, there were um, just a lot of unhealthy um, actions that transpired um, as the leader uh, continued to be, you know, in the role of being very controlling and um, not really staying in the word of God per se, just, you know, his own agenda. And unfortunately, um, my mom was really lacking community. My dad was in the Air Force and he was gone a lot and she was lonely and she felt like, you know, this was a family and she came from a large broken family. And I think, you know, she was looking for a way in her mind to bring her children in and serve God. And then she thought this truly was the right thing to be doing. And eventually, um, as cults do, um, there was a lot of what I would consider brainwashing that happened and it started affecting a lot of other things um, in our family. Um, and my, my parents essentially lost custody of my brother and 
my dad had to come home from, you know, his service in the Air Force, um, take emergency leave. Um, I rebelled in, you know, my way. And, you know, I it started going out to the media, what was transpiring in the community. And a lot of all that came out. And my parents almost divorced, but thankfully my, my mom and dad were able to work it through. My mom made a choice to leave. And so, you know, there was a lot of chaos. There was a lot of um, instability. There was a lot of shame because there was abuse that transpired as well. There was sexual abuse in um, the group um, and I was privy to that and my sister. And so, you know, there was just a lot of r real unhealthy ways uh, that, and, and it's like you didn't know what you didn't know yeah. until we were able to get out of that. My mom, you know, was um, really starting to heal and understand, um, I think, some of what what she was coming out of um i think that you know there there's brokenness there was a lot of brokenness brokenness in my life my distortion of christianity of christians because a lot of the people that came and gravitated to these to this particular group were very unhealthy people and they kind of preyed on those kinds of people um it seemed like you know, it was toxic, very toxic. Um, but so I, anyway, does that help some with yes. what I've shared? Yeah, 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 it does. And I'll, I have some more questions for you, but I think it's uh, it's interesting timing that we're hitting on this because the last two episodes I recorded were about how to know when it's time to change church and then how to do it right and, you know, things to look for, things to grow through and and not to leave prematurely. So I feel like it's interesting that you even mentioned it's a home church because I did mention in my episode the importance of being in church because I have some friends right now who, you know, were a little bit, um, I don't know the right word, maybe disillusioned or hurt or offended or just really bothered by the way corporate church has been handled at their specific church in this last season around COVID and stuff. And so they pulled out of church because really their church closed down for a while. And uh, so they kind of have been shopping for a new church, but they've really found themselves like, hey, we're the church. Why can't we just do it in homes, which the New Testament church did a lot. But I also saw in Acts that the New Testament church both met corporately in the temple and they met in homes. And so tell me what you feel like, what role did the fact that it was small and isolated and it was not a part of a larger community, how did that protect the unhealthiness of what was happening? Well, you know, I think there was no accountability. You know, there was no, uh, for the leader, I mean, uh, there was no accountability and no, um, I would say, until members of the group were actually um, exposing what was transpiring and then leaving and then taking a stand and realizing, you know, there, the man was, you know, he wasn't being held accountable because the people around 
him that, you know, they're all in fear of him. I mean, he was very um, commanding. Um, he would ridicule. He would intimidate. He would threaten, you know, you can't leave. You know, you're, you're going to go to hell, um, you know, his way or the highway. Um, there was, you know, there was just a lot of manipulation, too. So I just think that didn't set the stage for, you know, uh, him to be held accountable. And not until it was, you know, brought out in the public and it was written up, you know, and people were seeing who this man was really, what he was all about. Yeah. So, so let's dig into a little bit the, um, for anyone who's ever experienced a relationship that is mentally, verbally, or spiritually abusive, it kind of, it has this very subtle disorienting way of going on for quite a while before you start to wise up to what's going on. Would you say that's true? Yes, I do think so. Um, because it all seems very, you know, it's very parallel to domestic violence or being with a controlling spouse or, you know, in a bad abusive relationship. It's all the same. It yeah. seems like there's this need for control. There's, it all seems like, you know, it's charming and wonderful at the beginning and all those things and welcoming and wonderful. And then, you know, once, you know, there's that mind control and that trust, then, you know, the true colors start to come out. Yeah. So now I know I had experienced a relationship that was um, verbally, emotionally, mentally abusive, maybe even spiritually to some degree, for probably about seven years before I recognized what, it, what was going on. And it wasn't until I got, ironically, in community I began to recognize patterns that I was like, wait, this isn't really healthy. And so it wasn't, and it felt very much like I was waking up out of a dream when yes. I started to kind of awaken to the fact like, wait, this dynamic is not normal. And so what would you say are some red flags or indicators that people can recognize? Because I feel like there's like this, there's this dynamic people will experience. They want to recognize the red flags before they get pulled into anything dangerous. But we also don't want to nurture a suspicious, um, fearful approach that can't handle people's humanity when they just make mistakes. You know what I mean? So what's the difference between someone who's operating in a controlling, manipulative um, nature versus someone who maybe is just having a bad day? <laughs> I think you have to look at how they're treating their own family. This man was about 30 years older than his wife. There are a lot of red flags. I mean, the fact there's isolation. There, people want you to be isolated, withdrawn. That's not a good thing. They're not transparent. You know, those things, yeah. all those are factors that you can see. And then also the uh, way they treat others. He wanted everyone to treat him in a certain way, too. Uh, the dissension, he, ca he caused a lot of dissension in families. It's kind of the attitude, my way or the highway, yeah. and ridicule. You know, the, all of those things are not what Jesus Christ represents to us. Um, just the authoritarian, 
is authoritarian, not collaboration, not loving, um, all those things. Yeah, that's true. I feel like one thing that I watch for too in leaders that are healthy is the, um, the openness to feedback and, uh, which in essence, feedback is a type of accountability, but, um, you know, I feel like healthy leaders are open to feedback and not threatened by it. Um, yes, absolutely. People operate out of control and they don't really understand anything else. It's truly underlying fear is what it is. Yeah, it is. So, so then moving forward, when your mom finally got out and that was due to people speaking up and kind of exposing what was going on, um, how did your... Well, let's start with this first question. What impact did that experience have on your personal journey with Jesus? Because going through traumatic things like that, especially with someone who even for a time represents Jesus to us, can really disorient our ability to connect with Jesus again, right? And so how did yes. it impact your relationship with Jesus? Well, there was no trust. I mean, I didn't have any trust in who Jesus was. And it, I had a whole different perspective of what I thought who Jesus was. Um, and I ran very far away from, you know, the whole Christianity, um, just Christianity in itself. It took me a long time before I really began to trust other Christians and other faith-based leaders. And my relationship with Jesus was, it was really broken because I didn't see Jesus as being loving. You know, I saw him as you got to do this or, you know, you're not, you're not loved, you know, or you have to, you know, do all these legalism things, all these things that are, you know, I equate to legalism, not freedom, not grace. I did go back to church with my mom after she was away for years and we went into more of a healthier church and denomination. And, you know, I would say that there were really great people. The Lord brought in my life, loving godly people. I just wasn't very trusting of, of the whole Christian faith concept and understanding took me through the older years of my life, God using people, to come alongside me and to show me who he was, you know, my understanding through Bible study and to really begin to see this was not what Jesus intended. <laughs> it really was very freeing when I was able to begin to share my story. Um, and I was very careful about who I shared it with, how I shared it. I had a lot of shame over what I went through. I was very concerned about, you know, because I was very successful. I achieved. God was very gracious, successful. What I mean by that is in my work, in my studies, in the God just opened the doors of favor and blessing for me. But I was I was dealing with a lot of this area of, you know, anxiousness and, you know, all those things fear and, you know, control and needing to control and lack of trust in relationships and things that I did not work through. And I had to work through those things. He was able to work through the testimony 
of my story, which led me to where I am now in leading a nonprofit ministry and a podcast where I help women share their stories of overcoming great adversity, trauma, difficult things. Talk then through briefly, I think sometimes when we go through experiences that relationships of any kind that become traumatizing or even even not relationships, but even just experiences like a sickness or a car accident or losing a child or anything like that, anytime there's a strong trauma, I feel like it it has the potential and can injure our relationship with the Lord because somewhere, somehow we expected God to protect us from it or to be involved in a different way than what we experienced, right? And so sometimes it'll it'll break that trust, or at least that's what I experienced. I had to work through not mm-hmm. trusting fully where when I had been much younger, that was never a struggle for me. I trusted the Lord completely wholeheartedly. And that's part of how I wandered into dangerous relationships because I made a lot of assumptions about where God's hand would be because, you know, of this, that, or the other. And so I had to work through broken trust. And I've heard in my, in my experience as a pastor, I've heard many people when they're working through those emotions of healing that trust with the Lord, they then carry some shame feeling like, oh, I'm not having faith. I'm not being a good Christian because I am doubting God. But I think they're neglecting the reality that your relationship with God is a real relationship that when it gets wounded, it has to be healed. And that's not an anti-spiritual reality that's just part of having an actual real relationship. So how did you process the areas of, of broken trust in your relationship with God and not feeling like you were just a deficient Christian to have to grow through those? Generally, I've always had a very honest relationship with the Lord. You know, I, I, I was saved when I was five. I've seen visions. The Lord gives me visions. He ministers to me in all types of ways. Um, I've been angry with God. I've walked away with God from God. I've told God he sucked. I mean, I, I've, I've done all kinds. I mean, you know, I, I was angry. Yes, I was very angry at God. I, I walked away from my faith probably from the time I was 16 years old up until I was 29 to where I thought, I said, screw this. I'm I'm God. I'm going to set my own path. I don't need this crap. Right. You know, I don't need these people. These are a bunch of weak people. You know what I'm saying? So there was a whole lot of things that I had to process and come through in my um, relationship with Jesus and really understanding more of who he was and what he had intended and how we are broken creatures and we, you know, how people fail us and how through humanity and, you know, people, even we fall down as saints, we get back up. I mean, yeah, well, and I feel like it's important what you just said about how you always live very honestly with the Lord, because I think a lot of times when people feel like they can't ask why, or they can't wrestle through those feelings, it's because they feel like, Maybe they have a picture of God as being this pious God that's not very understanding. But I have found that times in my quiet times when I would approach the Lord from a pious, religious, you know, good girl 
place, but I wasn't being honest about where my heart actually was. I couldn't experience the presence of God until I just got ugly honest. And I pulled all the pretenses down and I was, you know, not cussing necessarily, but just kind of really gut level, ugly, honest. And that's when I felt the presence of the Lord come into my quiet time because he was actually dealing with the truth of me at that point. And I feel like that's what the Lord wants. He, I mean, we don't want that with friends or relationships. We don't want a pretense. We want a real authentic relationship. And I think that comes yes. from the heart of God, you know. It does. And it strengthens our, I think that shows that we have a trust in God yeah. in being able to be real. Yeah. And that's, I guess that's the other thing that when I could be real with God, about my feelings and my emotions, that is when the healing started to transpire too. Mm. So all of those things. And, you know, the enemy had a plan. He wanted me to, you know, walk away. He knew my call. He knew what my future state was going to be. He didn't want me to succeed. Because, you know, he, he had a plan, like he has a plan for you. He has a plan for everyone listening on this today, you know. And it, it, we, we, we just have to realize God, no matter what, is with us and for us. Mm-hmm. He is for us. So what would you say after having walked through all of this, what would you say are some principles as you walk through your healing? I'm sure that wisdom principles came to the surface that be that began to be able to be compasses or um, guidelines that could help you walk in wisdom, but not, they weren't necessarily like um, defense mechanisms, but they were wisdom principles. Uh, what would you say are some of those that you could share with our listeners that they might could take into their difficult situations? We, we have to learn that everyone goes through hard things and we can't exist in that. We have to move forward. Yeah. You know, work through the emotions, get the healing and the that you need. But in order to be able to move ahead, you have to learn to forgive. Yeah. And people, you know, will for will, you know, people will come across your path that may not always have your best interest. You know, and you got to learn to set boundaries where you have control or where you have the ability to, you have to be able to learn to set your own personal boundaries. And that's hard. You know, that's hard to do for a lot of people. But also, you have been given choices and freedoms. And, you know, you, everything is a choice where you can have a choice you know be accountable for making making that choice and don't be the victim right. you know you can't be the victim of things that transpire and happen to you because bad things happen to good people bad things happen you know yeah. and to walk forward you know use it for good turn it for good where you're broken you know and where god is healed you know use that as an as an opportunity to really make a difference in and or help others. Yeah. Yeah. And I think all those things sparred me and helped me don't stay in your story. You know, it's a story. Yeah. And you work through it and, but you can't stay in it. You need to move 
move ahead. Your story isn't over. God has a plan and a purpose and all those things. And do take time to heal. You've got to take time, go through the process, make sure that you do those things. Every day is a new day and we're given a new day. Yeah, I can totally understand that that phraseology that you just used. And I, I feel like one thing that I noticed as I walked through my healing, um, people would say to me, and this goes to something that you just said about don't stay in your story, is that I noticed that people would recognize that I was going through healing because I didn't talk about the the wounds and the hurt as much as I had when I was digging through the nitty gritty of it. And yes. And there's a time and a season for having to just get hands dirty, dig through your heart, dig through the stuff and lots of journaling, lots of praying, lots of counseling, lots of books, you know, like there's, yes. there's a season for all of that. But, but you're right. Like as you walk through that healing, there comes a point where you can't stay in your story. You have to let it become a story of victory and how God used it for your good, because God will use everything for our good if we, if we don't stay a victim. Yes, he does. And that's why, and he also tells us to go out and tell others of the work he's done in our lives. And, you know, that's gives the others encouragement, you know, who are going through it. And, you know, it's easy to get into a pity party when you're going through really, really hard things, you know, and you're right. As you pointed out, people will talk and talk and talk about the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And, you know, that is when they're in the healing process or they're trying to work through it. So I had to recognize that too. When you're going through the healing process, you may not make the best of choices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so I understand that some things still transpire when you're not completely healed. It is, it is a benefit to, to take the time that you need to, to get the help that you need through all the people God's going to bring across your path when you're going through the, the struggles. So, so I like to leave my listeners with some really practical, even step-by-steps at the end to, to be able to tangibly apply what they learn from the episode. So if, you, if someone was listening and they were like, man, based on some of the stuff she described, I think I might be in an unhealthy relationship or I might have a relationship that's toxic, abusive, manipulative, whatever if they're kind of the light bulbs are coming on for them, what would you say are the important steps they need to go through to both deal with the relationship and take care of themselves and get healthy? What would be some simple, practical steps they need to take? First and foremost, it is getting on their knees before God and, and, and asking him for the strength to carry you through, to do what you need to do, to be able to get out of the, your circumstances and situation. So you need to, whoever it is in your life, please trust for that discernment and the person, one person, so you're not alone and isolated by yourself. Let them know what you're doing and what you're trying to do. And, you know, ask them to pray with you on a regular basis. Contact outside counsel. And if you're a woman, make sure it's a woman. If you're a man, make sure it's a man. The very sensitive, sensitive information or sensitive circumstances that you're going through too. You know, your resources that you can. Listen to podcasts or whatever it is that you have to do 
to keep your mind healthy, be positive about your decision making, all of those things. Keep yourself in a positive place, music going. Keep praise and worship music going around you. All the spiritual battle, too. Some of you may be fighting in that space. So it's warfare, you know, and you've got to be equipped. So hopefully that's helpful. Yeah. I think if I if I was to add anything to that, I know for me when I was going through getting getting from the relationships that were toxic and abusive, um, I spent a lot of time in prayer, but I didn't know how to address the relationship. And then I reached out for help and help was not provided. Like I, I didn't have the money for a counselor and so I couldn't get counseling. And then I reached out to my pastors and they were like, oh, we don't really want to get our hands dirty with it because of the complications of the situation. And so they weren't really helpful. And so I found that I remained in this unhealthy relationship because what it came down to is I didn't know how to draw boundaries that were going to mm-hmm. And so I feel like one really vital, at least it was for me, and it seems to be for most people, when you're in an abusive relationship, it's because there are not boundaries that should be there. And, you know, because boundaries are the lines that we draw so I can safely love you and safely love me at the same time, right? And so I had to recognize, I had to kind of like program myself with that reality. Like I get to draw lines to love myself. And when I started realizing I have permission to say, if you treat me this way, this is the line I'm going to draw and, and where it put the responsibility of their behavior back on them and not on me anymore. And so I feel like boundaries would be the other really practical thing that I would encourage people to do if they're trying to get free from a relationship, because you can't, you can't necessarily heal in the same environment where you're being abused, you have to get out from that environment in some way, even if it just means you change the dynamics of the relationship in some measure. Yes, I agree, Jenna Lee. And I was in a, in an abusive relationship after, um, I was still in rebellion. I hadn't really fully healed from the wound of my background and fell into some very bad unhealthy relationships and I got into an unhealthy marriage. There is for Henry McLeod has some really good books on boundary setting and I read all of them, but I too had to learn how to set my boundaries um, in the marriage that I came out of. That was, and then, you know, diving deep, I would say the next step would be diving deep in that healing process. And just, I found that healing can happen quickly when it's really, really intentional, you know, I think depending on how, how much attention and time we put into, um, processing our thoughts, processing our heart, processing our feelings and everything, we can, you know, have a quicker healing process. Inevitably it still takes time, but, um, you know, it can take years or it could take months (laughs) depending on how much. Right. Yes. And how much you're willing to, like you said, invest in it. So, you know, something, I think what I'm extracting from all of this for my listeners is firstly, you need to make sure that you have a healthy prayer life because the Lord, A, his grace will help you walk through these things, but then the Holy Spirit can give you wisdom and guidance how to handle situations. Um, Secondly would be reach out for support. You have to have support. If you are in an unhealthy relationship and you you need change, you need out, you need help, you have to have support. If that's a counselor, a pastor, a parent, a friend, 
you need support of some kind. In boundaries, you need to identify where boundaries need to be drawn and realize that there's some, it's going to take some strength and self-control on your part to implement and stand by your boundaries because typically people who are abusive are boundary breakers. <laughs> uh, yes, they don't absolutely. Like <laughs> They're very bullies. They can be bullies. Yeah, they can be, but it's the most empowering thing and it's a key mm -hmm. to healing because it puts, it puts the control of your life back in your and God's hands. And, and it's, um, it's so empowering. And so, um, people run and run and run and run away. And if it, there's anything I encourage you, you know, don't do that. Yeah. You know, do be intentional about what it is that you're doing. Cause you know, it, it has its effects in other areas. Like for me, making poor choices in relationships and, self-esteem and, you know, in um, taking longer to be able to do what God has really wanted me to do and called me to do in my life, you know, <laughs> you know, to have calling to help women heal and help be healthy. I could have done that a long time ago, but I would have worked, worked at it in a different way, right? Sure. Um, did it sooner rather than later, because then I wasn't making some unhealthy choices. So, but, you know, God is good and his timing is today. You so are here I am. And I'm sharing this with you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and your listeners. Yeah, and my listeners. So, Michelle, thank you so much for sharing your story. I know that um, most of us, if we've lived longer than <laughs> 12 years, <laughs> we've experienced some things. And for you, it was even less than that, you know. And so um, anyone that's lived for a significant period of time, we will have gone through some kind of trauma or difficult relationship or whatever. And, and, um, and we all can benefit. And if not for each of you that's listening, maybe for a friend that you have that maybe you see red flags that they're in, in a relationship that maybe they need your support, um, to get out of uh, an unhealthy situation. And so I'm just, my prayer is that, um, the principles that you brought out in here and your testimony have how God stepped in and rescued you and healed you and is now using your story to bring healing to others. There's a, a passage of Corinthians that says, all glory to God who, who comforts us so that we can comfort others with the comfort we've received from him. And, and I just love that because that's exactly how God works. He comforts us and then we're able to turn and, and give that to others. And so Thank you for sharing your story with me and my listeners. And um, and for those of you who are listening, if you find yourself in a situation that you feel like, you know, I think I need help, but I don't know where to start, you can always reach out to, to either me or Miss Michelle. Yep. Michelle, how could they get a hold of you? Um, well, they can go to www.alteredstories.org and they can reach out to me there. Everything is on our website, our whole ministry you can write comments to us. There's our blogs to listen, you know, read and our, all of our um, podcasts, including the latest one with Jenna Lee, because I interviewed her. Um, so, yes, best way to get a hold of me. Awesome. Awesome. So I would encourage you to reach out to Miss Michelle that way through her website where you guys can message me. You could send me a DM on Instagram. Um, and also, if you guys are looking for something else, another resource, I did have an episode um, maybe about eight or 10 episodes ago on boundaries specifically. So if that was a word that kind of 
perked your interest and you'd like to dig in a little bit more, go catch that episode as well. But otherwise, you guys, thank you for listening to this episode. And Michelle, thank you for your time and for coming on here. We always have such a great time visiting. <laughs> we do. It's wonderful. <laughs> thank so, you for having me, Jenny. It's been a blast. Absolutely. You guys, and make sure if you appreciated this episode or it spoke to you or you feel like you know someone who could benefit from it, Feel free to pass it along, share it, because I have so many stories of people who caught an episode and it really was life impacting. So please do that. It's another way of, of spreading the ministry that, that these podcasts provide. And so, Michelle, you have a wonderful day. And to my listeners, you guys have a wonderful week and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Happy donates 10% of her sales to Altered Stories Ministry and Beauty Counter. Uh, they're very clean, green products. And I have a routine that I use um, and it has just made such a huge difference. There are counter time facial products um, on my skin, you know, all, you know, in my age group, I mean, I use a vitamin C, um, serum that goes on my face after I wake up in the morning and there's, you know, this routine that I do in addition. And then I do what I do at night with, and it just, to me, it glow, my skin glows. It's a, feels so healthy. I mean, a lot of people can't believe I'm the age I am, um, because of the way my skin is. And, you know, I just think, you know, God wants us to take care of ourselves, you know. That's awesome. Beauty Counter. Yeah, I've heard a little bit about Beauty Counter. It's very clean and it's kind of a, I wouldn't call it trendy, but it is popular right now as far as like people who are looking for clean makeup options. That's really awesome. I know, you know what I love? I love how the Lord really does care about this stuff because just a couple months ago, a number of months ago, my eyelashes were getting really short again and I couldn't figure out why. And it was kind of a combination of things. I was deficient in some important vitamins. And so the Lord kind of like gave me the intuition about the vitamins I needed to be taking. And so I started taking them. And then I was telling the Lord, Lord, my eyelashes are so short, but I don't want to spend 150 bucks on an expensive serum. Would you help me out? And then that day, a friend sent me a voice memo and she was like, hey, I started using this. It made me think of you. It's been amazing for my eyelashes. And so I got it and my eyelashes started growing in. And so I was just like, the Lord is so kind. He even cares about my freaking eyelashes. <laughs> he does. We do serve a personal God and he does care about our skin and he care, you know, he does, he knows. So beauty counter for the win for clean and anti-aging and just taking care. Yes, ma'am. Anti-aging. I use their glow oil. My husband uses some of their like product um, and for men. They have product for babies and kids and, you know, they have a whole product line. And what's so cool is, you know, for those that want to support Altered Stories Ministry, they can purchase from Lynn, and then she gives 10% of her sales to Altered Stories Ministry. So it's how, always how good. Would they, how would they find Lynn? Is there a specific link? Yeah, there's Lynn Clark. Uh, she's, she's a consultant, but they could just go out and find her L-Y-N. 
uh, is her first name and then Clark, C-L-A-R-K. And she's a consultant, so you can find her if you want to shop with Lynn Clark. Okay, perfect. Awesome. But they have to mention, they have to say, you know, supporting Altered Stories Ministry. Uh, That's what they need to do. I love that. I love that she does that. That's so great. Well, thank you. Yeah, she's been doing that. That's so cool. I love it. What a great way to support a ministry. Um, well, thank you for sharing that life hack. I know that a lot of my listeners are going to love that one. <laughs> <laughs> I right. think so. It, it could be kind of pricey, but they do have some sales. They do have good sales. And when they have those good sales, boy, you just jump in. Their makeup wipes are phenomenal, too. Nice. Nice. Okay. Well, you guys, you heard it from her. Uh, Beauty Counter, Lynn Clark. Go check them out. And that's your life hack for this week. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Michelle. Okay, Jenilee. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. For those of you who've rated or shared this podcast on social media, thank you. Reading your comments and reviews always means so much to me. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say, hey, it's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Thank you to each of you for your ongoing support. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Until next time, remember, you've got this and God's got you.